well, good morning, you fine. Well, I'm going to start that over. That's weird. Good day to you all. I hope everybody is having a wonderful, wonderful Saturday. Sorry, I feel a little bit weird right now because it's, for me, I'm recording this at night for the first time. Um, so it's funky to say good morning, but sun is up. We're ready to go. I promise I will only bore you very quickly with one teensy tiny little side note before we wiggle our way into today's episode. So last Monday, my good friend and coworker happened to leave for an eight-day road trip. And guess who she has to pet sit? His name is Bubs, and he is the most adorable, wonderful, sweet 14-year-old orange tabby that you have ever met. I know everybody loves their own pets the most. I have too. I get it. But oh my goodness, he's just so squishy and cuddly. And he, he's like a dog comes when you call his name, you know, uh, he'll cuddle with you when you're watching TV. I'll even leave him outside by himself while I eat. And he comes in like just on his own accord. I mean, how lucky am I? And I've been itching to get my own cat for the past few months. I know I probably shouldn't yet, just to save up a little bit more, but this will definitely help satisfy those urges that I currently cannot afford. So anyway, thank you, Olivian, for this outstanding opportunity, and thank you, Bubs, for being perfect. Okie dokie. If you've listened to any of the past three or four episodes, you'll know that they're all um, pretty dark. I didn't plan on it, truly, but every one of those cases has had death and sexual assault of children, which I know can be a lot, and it was for me. So this week, I made it a point to take a step away from all that gruesomeness and cleanse our palates with Something a bit more light. Today, we dive into the depths of a haunted lake. Now, I know that the amazing ladies over at Morbid have done a very similar thing, multiple episodes, as I'm sure plenty of other podcasts have as well. But shite, there's a lot of lakes out there. A lot of them claim to be haunted. And as it so happens, when I moved from Minnesota, the land of friggin' 10,000 lakes, to the east coast, I ended up only 50 miles away from a lake with quite a spooky, scary history. So, my sources today come from an article in the New Hampshire Magazine by Marshall Hudson, an article by Janice Brown from an odd name, but Cow Hampshire, Cow Hampshire blog, plus one more by Emmanuel Kingsley from AtoZEanimals.com. Roughly an hour's drive outside of Boston in Hillsborough County, New Hampshire. There's a body of water referred to as Haunted Lake, and it has been by the locals for hundreds of years. Although it's closer to an actual pond in size, this Haunted Lake never seemed to have an original name or an original name before its reputation spread. 
with no official date, I can't be certain, but the first mention of Haunted Lake and possibly its origin story predates the 1740s. So the rumor is that years ago, a terrible forest fire surrounded this lake and burned anything and anyone who was living on, in, near, or around the lake. And ever since then, people have reported strange disturbances in the area. The next mention I can find of the lake is in 1740, which is why I say the other incidents is before. <laughs> but the legend goes like this. Quote, in 1741, two young men came to the area looking to buy land and settle. The men were not together, but rather had started off separately, met up, and joined forces as they tra traversed th through the forest together toward the same destination. When they reached the lake, they camped for the night. During the night, for unknown reasons, the men fought and one of them killed the other. In the dense forest far from the reach of the law, the murderer buried the other man in a shallow grave and went on his way. The legend says that the murdered man did not rest easily, and for years afterward, he wandered the shore of the lake, shrieking and moaning, end quote. Some people would say or argue that Haunted Lake itself drove them to try and kill one of another while they were sleeping and they awoke in this frenzy. Many other people believe it was simply greed. One guy wanted the area or the land for himself. On the other hand, um, this could also be another possible origin story. If you don't happen to like the murderous forest fire, this could be a better suited fit. Either way, two men went into that forest and only one came out. This isn't so much haunted yet, right? We get our first account of an actual spoopy whoopy just over a decade later. And multiple people re reported this similar experiences, and we actually have a quote from one of the people that was there. Here we go. Oh, hold on. I'm getting a phone call from my dad. I'll call you, I'll, I'll call you back. I'll be back. Well, I'm so sorry. Where was I? Um, yeah, well, my mom and dad just called to catch up. But before I hung up, my, my mom goes, did you hear there's an escaped convict on the loose? Did you hear how he did it? And then she describes some like Spider-Man thing climbing up the walls and getting out through the roof. Anyways, uh, we were talking about a haunted lake. Here we go. That's where I was. In 1753, a land surveyor named Matthew Patton was hired for a job involving a town borderline and plotting land suitable for future farming. It just so happened that this town boundary ran right through the Haunted Lake area. And during this job, Patton and his men ended up camping for a single night on the banks of the lake. However, none of them slept a wink that night. Apparently. The crew was, quote, kept awake all night by mysterious groans and screams of anguish as if made by someone in mortal agony. By daybreak, the, sur the surveyors in his, what the frick is wrong with me? By daybreak, 
The men under his employment had endured enough. They packed up and headed back to Bedford, and nothing Patton could do or say would persuade them to stay and finish their work. End quote. Obviously, after 200 plus years, the, the stories can be misconstrued or embellished, or sometimes people are simply reaching for some limelight. So maybe this is all hoopla, but I'm tempted to believe it. I don't know, maybe I'm gullible. But there, there is, however, one more thing to back up these ghost stories, essentially. So Matthew Patton's diary had been tracked down and recorded. Uh, he kept a surveyor diary of all the land and maps and blah, 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 blah. In this diary, he wrote about that specific night. Quote, Soon after darkness set in, there commenced groanings and shrieks, as if a human being was in distress, and these continued, most plaintive and affecting, till nearly morning. End quote. So, whatever those big words mean at the end, he was clearly, I mean, he could be lying, but he, he said he experienced the shrieks and the groaning. Whether you believe in this man's words or not, I think it does add a, another creepy element to the story, right? The next mention of people trying to inhabit this haunted lake comes in 1780. David Scobie and his family moved to the bank, moved to the banks, <coughs> moved to the lake and built a water-powered sawmill on the bank. He, David Scobie, is said to have been well aware of this reputation, but it wasn't enough to scare him off. During the construction of this mill, Scobie unearthed the almost fully intact skeleton of a man, and still, he continued his work. The skeleton itself has two theories. One, it could have possibly came from the man in the 1740s, 40s who had been murdered by the other strange man in the night that we previously talked about. Or number two, and this comes from the New Hampshire magazine. Um, I'll kind of set the scene here before I get into the quote, but apparently there was two people working as a trapping or a hunting team, and they were now using this area. First time there, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. Quote, the partners set out two trapline circuits, one in the vicinity of Haunted Lake and the other up the south branch of a river. Each trapper took one circuit, walking the same lines each morning. They checked their traps and returned to camp in the afternoon. One day, the trapper <clears throat> with the Haunted Lake circuit failed to return, and his partner, fearing trouble, set out in search of him. Near the shore of the Haunted Lake, he was startled by a fierce, fierce growl and saw a huge mountain lion standing over the dead body of his friend. The trapper shot and killed the lion. Believing that these cats hunted in pairs, he feared he would soon have to deal with its mate, so the trapper hastily buried his friend and returned to, insert really hard town name. The legend suggests that this story accounts for the skeleton later found at David Scobie's sawmill, end quote. Now this is probably a much more reasonable explanation, but that's no fun. There's more, don't worry. Fortunately for our story today, the lake, I mean, and un unfortunately for the people, but this haunted lake continued to swallow more victims over the years. In 1810, a 15-year-old boy drowned in the shallow waters. Only six years later, 
another young boy named Samuel Allen drowned in the lake as well. And then again, eight years later in 1824, a 55-year-old man who may or may not have been struggling with mental illness also drowned in the haunted waters. Continuing this track record, six years later, it took a fourth drowning victim named Nathaniel. Now, I have a theory. Um, and I don't know if I want to say it now or after. Okay, so my theory is this. We heard nothing of any drowning victims before David Scobie started building his sawmill, right? And let's just roll with it that the lake is haunted. It's this entity of its own, right? Okay, so by the time he, he starts the sawmill, one, two, three, four people have drowned almost perfectly six years apart from each other, okay? Obviously a little bit off. And then, so after this drowning victim named Nathaniel died in, what was it, 18-something, 1829, but the most odd happening of all is with David Scobie himself. That same year, after almost 50 years living on Haunted Lake, David Scobie became a victim himself of the lake. What happened as the only man to ever not give in to the lake's spooky reputation, Mother Nature, or Haunted Lake, finally had to show him who's boss. Here's the end of my theory. He died in the lake, right? Quote, Scobie perished on Haunted Lake in the spring of 1829 at age 26, blah, 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 while doing logs and ice and anyways. But when he died, he sold the, the mill went to some random guy who operated it for a few years, but was eventually abandoned. And literally nobody has drowned in there since. The only time people drowned in the lake was between when A, the sawmill was built, and B, the sawmill was abandoned. Before and after, there was no record of any drownings. Not that I've heard of, at least. That's my theory, is that the lake was pissed off, that they built some shit on there, and they wanted it gone. And so after the, the mill was eventually abandoned, after Scobie had died, this essentially marked the end of Haunted Lake. And until recently, the 1950s, 100 years later, give or so, it remained abandoned. Now, today, there is a little bit more public access, but these old mills have fallen down, they're in ruins, and the legend of Haunted Lake still lives on very strongly among locals and in history. I mean, 50 miles away from me, I'm going to have to visit it, right? There's... No excuse. I mean, it's literally an hour's drive. I'm not saying I think it'll be creepy or haunted when I get there, but I am saying I would love to hear some shrieks and moans, and I know you would too. I mean, come on. Also, I just learned that there's another haunted lake, only one state away from me in Connecticut, this one called Gardner Lake. And here's a little snippet. Uh, about this lake as well. Not the full story, but a teaser. Quote, it all started in 1895 when a man who lived around the lake decided to move to the east of the lake. So from the west side to the east side of the lake. But instead of building a new house across the lake, he moved the entire building. How? 
He waited for the lake to freeze, then pushed it over to the other side. Unfortunately, the ice broke during the process, and the house, with all of its belongings, including his piano, sank. And that's how this grand piano got under the water. So, if you visit Gardner Lake, listen carefully, and on a quiet day, you maybe will hear the tunes of a piano playing. End quote. I mean, how cool is that? A creepy underwater piano music? Or, I guess I found this out too, Lake Superior's haunted? I mean, I grew up there and had no gosh darn clue. It's It claims that there's just countless victims from these hundreds of shipwrecks and they haunt the lake and surrounding lighthouses. Um, for example, in 1927, quote, about 22 lives were lost with the Canadian Lake Freighter. The steamship wasn't found until 50 years later, and divers claimed that there was a mysterious body strung along that, excuse me, a mysterious body that strung along with them during the search. Underwater. All of these spooky, scary stories carry on the legend of Lake Superior as being haunted, and I want to dive into that. Spoopy Goopy. Why did I write Spoopy Goopy? Okay, so before I end this, I know I was kind of all over the place today. A little bit there, a little bit here. Episode got, I don't want to say interrupted. I had a good phone call with my pops, but split into two. So I was kind of all over the place. I apologize. It is what it is. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Maybe next time I do a double lake feature or a couple haunted things together and make a make a little longer episode. That could be fun, I guess. Mm, who knows? <laughs> Anyways, it's th- the sun went down and I'm itching to go pee pee poop. Plus, it's about time to go let the world's cutest kitty outside to go run around. Okie dokie. Toodaloo. I love you. <laughs>